Welcome to Human Tech, a podcast about the intersection between humans and technology. My name is Guthrie. I'm here with Susan. Hello, Susan. Hello, Guthrie. And uh, I want to talk today about a headless, armless, limbless cat uh, that's a robot. A headless cat robot. Mm-hmm. Now, you actually uh, were the person who introduced me to this. Yes, because... Where did you find it? You know, that's a great question. Somehow it came probably through some, you know, feed I get on Facebook. I, are you still on Facebook? Yes, I am. Kind of. I, I've actually had a little bit of resurgence. Right when people were starting to not use Facebook, I went to law school. Yeah. And and it's there's nothing better for colleges than Facebook because everyone's on there. You can easily add everyone in your class, and then you have meeting groups and messages, and it it just it worked out really really nicely. But do you still? But you've been out of law school for a little bit. Do you still use it now? Year or three? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. I've uh, part part one one thing I did was I I also had like I had like seventeen chat applications. Yeah. Um, and I needed to tone that down yeah a lot so i um i there were a couple people so like i you had a couple people on like gchat google hangouts yeah and i talked to them i was like we pick a different pick something else like i'm not i'm not going to use this anymore all right i know i'm going off topic but what did you end up on well a lot a number a couple of my friends um said just use facebook messenger so i i do now use facebook messenger fairly even uh frequently and it is by and far still the easiest way to schedule an event between me and all my friends. Like if I want to have like a house party, that's what you do. Yeah, I mean, there's there's almost no there's no other substitute for it. Well, anyway, I I I lately I've not been enamored with Facebook, but because the feeds I get are half of them have nothing to do with me and. Uh, of the half that might have something to do with me, two-thirds of them or three-quarters of them don't have anything to do with my friends. But anyway, uh, this, I believe, came through somehow on my Facebook feed. And it is, um, uh, we should tell people what it is and how it's pronounced and all of that, right? It's, or, or I don't know how it's pronounced, how it's spelled. It's called Kubo, Q-O-O-B-O, is that right? Yes. And I actually really, really enjoy the the uh, typography that they have, where it's all circles and the Q and the B kind of extend. It's very cool. Can I can I um, give the opening paragraph uh, written by uh, the Verge's uh, Damie Lee? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, it's so good. So this is we the, this article I read is from the Verge, as you just mentioned. Yeah. And who's the author? Uh, Damie Lee. Jamie Lee, go ahead. What's the uh, opening paragraph to describe Kubo? Do you enjoy the sensation of petting a cat or dog, but hate the unconditional love and the fact that they have heads and limbs? Japanese company Yukai Engineering has unveiled the solution to this cassette conundrum with Kobu, a soft, round cushion with a robotic tail that reacts to strokes just as a loving pet would. But yes, I thought I thought the hate the unconditional love and the fact that they have heads and limbs. Uh, I yeah, this special. is just bizarre. So this thing, this thing looks like a. It looks it's a like pillow. A, it's a round it's a pillow. pillow. It's a round pillow. With it's a not. Tail. Hu- I mean, it's not cat shape. It's a round pillow. Mm. It's more round than it is long. Right. Yeah, but. It's made, by the way, by... I mean, it's a, it's a circle. It's a pillow. It's but a pillow. It it's looks, a circle. It kind of looks like a cat. If a cat... Uh, sometimes when a cat, like, curls in a ball or sits like a bread loaf, like, I, I think it's perhaps... Anyway, it's a circle. There. It's a fluffy circle pillow with a tail. And there's no head. And there's no arms or legs. It's just the circle with the tail. And... It reacts to you when you, like, stroke it, right? Yes. Um, if you, 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 yeah. So um, it comes in two colors. You can pat it. You can Husky stroke it. Husky gray and French brown. And the reaction 
is just the tail wagging. Is this correct? Hmm. Yeah, but it's like a, it's like a pet. Like tail wags are not just like back and forth. Like this, um, it'll wag softly. It'll curl the tail. It'll wag more vigorously. Based on what you did, or just uh, yeah, uh, yeah, or in just the same randomly. way that that if you reach over and you touch a dog, the tail will kind of. Just like a little bit back and forth. Yeah. And if you rub the dog, it'll kind of get a little more froofy. Like, you know, like that's, it seems to be a bit more pet-like. And it's, it, it it's not just like touch it and it does something. It's not just like a, like a, like an am you know, like a, like I'm trying to think of some like kid's toy, right? Where you pull the string and the yeah, thing yeah, like, wait. Yeah. Like it's, it, it has a little more um, communication to it. It seems a little more animal-like, a little more lifelike. In its tail uh, communication. It's supposedly for um, young people oh, living alone or children. Who, who or isn't elderly. it for? Me. It is not for me. I okay, I, I, I think it's yeah. perfect for you. No, 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 no. Yes, no. yes, 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 yes. I mean, I understand the soft, cushy thing. Uh, in fact, I don't even know if I should admit this, but I guess I'm going to, I guess this is a moment of truth here. I was on a trip traveling somewhere, probably overseas, and you were not with me, Guthrie. And uh, I was, as as I often get, just nervous about traveling overseas. I just get this thing about airplanes. And, this is perfect for you. And I, I, I was so... Oh, my God. I was, I needed to just relax, and I was doing... Uh, you know, I was doing deep breathing and I was trying meditation and I'm at the airport and the plane is late and it's very crowded and I don't know, all my triggers were being triggered and I actually went into an airport store and bought a, uh, a, it was like a little travel pillow that was very, very soft and fluffy just so that I could stroke the soft and fluffy part of it. And I, um, it was a little bit too big. I would have liked it smaller, but I, I, I should just go get a piece of cloth from the, from the fabric. No, store. get the, get but this machine. I just, I just sat there on the plane and, and pet my, my little soft pillow. And it really, I mean, it definitely helped me relax. I mean, we know, first of all, we should probably just mention, and we might've mentioned it before, but we probably did when we did some of our stuff on oxytocin. We had Paul Zack on. Remember, we had Paul Zack on and uh, kind of the king of oxytocin. And um, But just to remind people, when you uh, stroke something that's soft or when you hug a person or stroke a cat or a dog uh, or even a soft pillow that you buy in the airport store, um, it releases... Uh, oxytocin in your system. And oxytocin is a chemical that um, does a number of things. And one of the things it does is makes you relax. And so that's why it's, it's one of the main reasons why having a pet uh, is, is so helpful and why they're, you know, people bring uh, therapy dogs and therapy cats into nursing homes and so on so that people can, you know, pet the cat or the dog. And, and just by doing that, you release the oxytocin and it'll just make you relax. So uh, that's what's going on with Kubo. Uh, now, I don't know. I'm sure the tail wagging does, that would have a, you know, that would, that would start to be connected with classical conditioning, I would think. Because you pet the, I mean, it's it's more than just the pillow that I was using, right? Because in this case, the thing responds. And that would have, that should have some kind of reaction. There's a, uh, a visual cue uh, that, and that probably makes, you probably become more attached to the Kubo than you do to the fluffy pillow. I would say. Oh, yeah, look. Like the only thing they need to do is develop a purr mechanism, and uh, the, then I'll I'll probably buy one. 
Um, yeah, they do need a purr mechanism because you need yeah. the, and it's not even so much for the sound as for the Well, haptic. that's what the tail does. What? The, the tail, the tail. Uh, does the tail have a haptic uh, uh, vibration? No, but you don't need it. It it brushes. The fact that it's moving is enough. Then why do you want it to purr? You well, said... that would be that would be better. But, um, it, but it like but it, it communicates with you. So there's social things going on. Because of the tail. Yeah. But why not make it? I mean, because there are other social robots. There are other pet robots that have like heads. And and limbs. Why make it headless and limbless? Just because it's easier. Yeah, sure. And then those, because if you have those other parts, you'd expect them to do things like move. Mm-hmm. It's much easier if all you have to do is have the tail move. It's also better for sleeping. Why? It's probably well, it's more comfortable. If you had like a head and limbs and stuff, then they would get in the way if you're trying to lie on it. Do you think this is gonna take off? Yes. Thousand times yes. By the way, I'm looking at this company's website. These guys yeah. do all kinds of crazy stuff. I'm very, I'm very high on these guys. On, on this is Yukai Engineering. Yukai Engineering of uh, Tokyo. Yeah. Five minutes by foot from Shinjuku Yonmai Station, which I probably just slaughtered. You probably slaughtered that. Uh, Mar- the Mari Maranochi line. So I'm looking at their headquarters. Um, yeah. You know, I've never been to Japan and I've always wanted to go. So they can invite they us. They are an interesting company. Let me give you just some of their products that came before this, okay? Okay. First, there's the the Coconatch. What's that? It's a small, think of, you know the little Twitter bird, the blue bird? Yeah. If the Twitter bird for Halloween went as Casper the ghost. I have bit, no idea what that means. It's like a, it's like a tiny little white bird that's kind of circular shaped in like a plump fashion. And what does it do? It's a palm sized social robot that tells you when you get an email or tweet. Uh, now that I want. Yeah. Okay. Hold on. That's product <laughs> one. The next, another product, the Nikomimi. Yeah. It's a brainwave powered fashion accessory that portrays the user's emotions oh so what it, that's i know that this, so this so is it's the got same big company. ears it has big ears and the ears move yeah they um, they, 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 they they twitch like they, when, they you're, turn, when you're happy. like i'm listening or they in the same way that a cat or like a dog when a cat is really getting is really having like a good pet like their ears might twitch or, or a dog when it's trying to listen to you sure. or right you're um, a cat person and I'm a dog person. So sure. m- m- that's why you keep making cat uh, comparisons and I keep making dog comparisons. Okay, I know that. Um, that they product. have a bunch of hardware stuff. So they have the Kenoshi, yeah. which is a physical computing toolkit for iPhone and iPad. Okay. They have D-Lab Hook, which is it connects physical products to a digital display. Team Lab Hanger, an interactive hanger that connects physical products to a digital display. So it's like, it's like when someone picks up the hanger, something happens on the display behind it. It's kind of like an interact, like a physical world and a digital space interaction. It seems like they're experimenting. Um, Pappy, which is, it's a, it's a, it's a parent and baby cam. That's okay. Um, I'm not exactly sure what it does. It appears to be like like a crib or like the thing that goes above the crib. Oh. Oh, I think I get it now. So what are the things above the crib? Like mobiles? Yeah. Yeah. There's a little, there's, it's, it's a series of mobiles that the parent, and then it's got a camera in it. And so the parent has an app on their smartphone. And so the kid is in the is in their crib with the mobile above it, mm-hmm. and the parent presses like the yellow little like monkey 
on, on in the smartphone app, and then that does something on the mobile, and the kid like reacts to it. So you can play with your kid even while you're at the office. No, that's ridiculous. We, the kid's not going to be home alone. I don't know. Why not? No, you're not going to have a baby home alone in their bed. I mean, there's going to be some some grown up responsible. I, although I could have probably had a lot of fun with. Okay, with, I guess this is. I guess this is. Um, maybe maybe working parents in the household. I don't know. I don't know. So like maybe you, like you're downstairs and. I don't know. It's, it's kind of an interesting something. Uh, they have. Um, Pepper's Magic Remote, which I don't even know what that is. Uh, a space bristle bot, a micro robotics kit for building a toothbrush type moving robot. <laughs> um, wow. iDoll, which is a doll size, a palm sized robot that basically dances. It makes silly little jokes. It's just kind of like a little animatronic doll robot, kind of like almost like an advanced action figure. Um, Boko, the family robot that brings your loved ones closer together. So you send a voice or text message using the Boko app on your smartphone, and the Boko robot at home will notify your family that it's got a message. So they can play the, the, the voice message on the robot or like Bo- or let Boko read out your text message. Then you can record a reply and send it back. It has sensors. So it detects vibrations. Yeah. And then, of course, Kobo, which is, or Kubo. I don't know how to pronounce that. Hmm. So. Do we know how much Kubo costs? Yes. It's cheap. Is Is it available now? Or is it like a, you know, coming soon? There's not a whole lot to it. It's a pillow with a. I, I is it available now? That's my question. Um. I will. I will endeavor to find out. Well. Um. Oh no no! It'll it'll launch next June. That's a long time. From when we're recording this podcast, it'll be about a hundred bucks. Oh, that's not bad. It's not bad. Well, it's more than the pillow I bought at the at the store. Um, yes, maybe, I would maybe yeah. wait for Gen two or three of this. Really? Oh yeah. Better so, software, better battery. What do you think about the future of uh, so-called social robots, of which this would be one, right? I've always thought the future was very bright. And um, do you think let that... Me, oh, yeah. Well, there's one more, because I want to talk... I also want to talk about Google's camera. Okay, go ahead. So, well, you can ask your question, and then we'll do, we'll do that. Well, I, I was just going to ask about whether... I mean, so there's this, there's this concept of a social robot, and the social robot is uh, a robot whose main function is to well it's a good question what is it what is the definition of a social robot but basically it's supposed to uh its main function is interaction with the human not in a um not in a working way you know so the the uh the lawn mowing robot, the vacuum cleaner robot, those are not social robots in my definition. But I think this is kind of interesting. I I guess my question to you was, what are these categories? Are they going to stick or are they going to change as we start to get used to interacting with, um, you know, with robots, with essentially we're, we're interacting with AI, sometimes in a, in a, uh, you know, you got AI, and sometimes it's it's visible and it takes on a form, right? And sometimes it doesn't. And so, 
then you've got the, this class of uh, things that take on a form that might be useful and help you do tasks, you know, uh, might uh, load your dishwasher or, or vacuum your rug. Now, do you think we're going to have this general category of robot that does that helps you out and also interacts with you? Or do you think we're going to keep it separated like this where you have these these, you know, pet robots and these social robots that are for uh, emotional support and not for doing your household or work tasks. Are yeah. we going to keep these distinctions? Uh, I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit like the smartphone, you know, where it starts out with one purpose and then, well, you know, now it's got a camera. And then it's got this thing. And now it's got an accelerometer. And it's got, you know, and it just kind of gets, kind of starts gobbling up more tasks. Because, you know, there's that whole other philosophy. And I don't know if it has a name. I thought it had a name. It'll probably come to me. You know, I mean, let's just think back about... Um, machines in general and let's think back about motors so you re i think you know I, maybe we even talked about it on a podcast uh or maybe we haven't and maybe you don't know about this but back in the early 1900s the sears and roebuck company that was not a store but a, was a mail order catalog yes and uh, you can find the images of this. This was this was real. They had, I think the year was something like the, maybe in 1919, 1920, something. There was a universal motor. You, you would buy what was called a universal motor with attachments. And the attachments would do things like vacuum, uh, mix a cake batter, uh, uh, be a fan like those individual appliances did not exist what you did was you bought the motor and then you put on attachments and initially that's what you know when the when the motor was invented which is a great thing that could take electricity and and power other things right but the idea was that you would have one motor you'd buy a motor and then you would just buy the attachments. Now, obviously, we didn't end up going that way. We ended up putting motors into other things. So you have your fan and your vacuum cleaner and, you know, whatever, all the things we have, you know, hair dryer. I mean, we have so many things, uh, cake mixer, so many things in our lives that have motors, we don't even think about it. And those all became individual appliances. Um, and when computers, uh, first came out, um, personal computers first came out, the idea was you would have a computer and whatever it was you wanted to, to do that required computing power, you would do it with your one computer. And of course that didn't happen either. We started now putting computers into everything else. I mean, there's a computer in your car and there's a computer in your toaster and there's a computer in your cell phone and right. So we kind of go back and forth between this idea of, um, taking the technology that's there and, uh, making a universal device, right? Like right now, I think our cell phones, which, you know, it's funny that we call them cell phones when, most of the time you're not making a phone call with it, right? Um, our cell phones are still kind of universal devices. Uh, and starting to maybe go the appliance route, I'm not sure. You know, so we kind of move back and forth between wanting to do everything with one tool versus wanting a lot of tools that just do one little thing. So I'm, I'm, you know, and every time we come up against a new technology, we go through this question, 
without even realizing, I think, that we're going through the question, which is, do we want this to be a one thing, or do we want it? Do we want to put this technology into everything? So, I don't know if we have the answer to that yet, even with our phones, and I, we certainly don't have the answer to that with robots. I mean, there are a lot of robots, especially industrial robots, that that just do one thing. Although now, even with those, um, you're, we're starting to see like some of the Tesla robots in the Tesla car factory that do multiple things or can be reprogrammed, right? To do more than one thing. So I don't know which way we're gonna go. And I think with social robots, it's interesting because I think humans I think it would bother them if their social robot, if they're, for instance, their Kubo, then did something totally different. You know, if, if you think of Kubo as a cat, if it's a pet, then you don't expect it to also vacuum your rug, right? What are your thoughts about this, Catherine? Yeah, so I think, uh, yeah, bunch of bunch of thoughts here. Um, first, I mean, there's been reprogrammable, oh my God, easy for, easy for you to say, (laughs) reprogrammable robots for a long time now. Mm -hmm. And especially if you think even, even dumb, such dumb machines as like CNC routers, um, you know, or, you know, you give it a hunk of metal. Yeah. And it can turn that metal into any shape based yeah. on the parameters that you give it. Okay. Right. So, so you can, you know, in the same way that a, that a, you know, metal smith would, could, could create multiple things. This can, you know, do create multiple things. And of course the, yes, the Tesla robots and not just Tesla. I mean, they were, that was a big deal, but that was, I mean, the video that we like to show in our keynotes, those are like from 2014. I mean, right. it does this, it's, it's, you know, it's going to be four years since since those were developed now and I'm sure they're much more sophisticated and a lot more companies are probably using even more sophisticated ones than those um, but you know once you once you the big the big jump is going to be once you, someone and I'm sure it's it's pro- honestly it's still probably Tesla um, because they've been working really hard on not creating their new model three cars but creating the manufacturing process to make the model three cars like they've been putting a lot of a lot of work into into re discovering how you know reinventing how a manufacturing process should work and and the next big step is is ai um in industrial robotic applications by the way that allows for a much larger range of features and options. So that that t- that once once you start putting using AI algorithms on um, assembly robots in conjunction with schematics, they'll be able to do a very wide variety of of tasks that won't require um, you know complete programming. Every time. They'll be programming themselves essentially. Um, they won't be well. They'll be they'll be using various you know algorithms to figure out the most the, the most efficient way. You know they'll be it'll be given a task of hey you need to weld these four hundred things today, and it'll you know it'll come up with the the best you know over the course of time the best way to go about about completing this task, right? So so if you think of it in a car sense, okay, we need to affix all the doors and install all the windows. So in the past, you'd have to design a specific, you know, code path that the robot would follow. Okay, you got, you, it moves in this direction and then it's a 25 and then degree it comes tilt. Over here and, and it does comes this, over. yeah. Yeah, whereas uh, once you have those kind of algorithms, it can kind of take that and figure that out kind of as it goes. Yeah. Um, so 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 then so so then it's a lot easier. You can you know you can give it a lot more tasks because it's a lot more flexible. 
um, in in what it does, and you don't have to kind of change it every time. So yeah, that's 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 that part right there. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more. I mean, it all it all just depends on the level of communication that software can provide. Um, and I think I think nonverbal pets is a really great place to start. Um, so I, I, that's why I think this robot is on the right path. Now, when you say nonverbal pets, are you talking about like they don't co respond to commands, or we, or they don't make noise? Cats and dogs don't, don't speak or... English. Okay. So you don't need to know the nuances of the human language. But you although they do, they do respond to. They respond what to would communication. Be prosodic elements in your voice. Yes, and that, but and that might, and that is something that would be easy to do, to get to a level of kind of like cat-like. Uh, or dog-like, uh, kind of response, stimulus response, so you go. Hey, Kobu, and it recognizes its name. It recognizes the tone of voice, and and then the and then the software can figure out. Okay, it wants it wants to the, the human wants to interact. Go interact with human, mm -hmm. you know. It can tell when the humans. So so it kind of just follows that general uh, thing, you know. I I've been mm -hmm. around a lot of cats or a lot of dogs. You, the, you're sitting next to the the, the the animal on the couch. You just reach out and like touch the animal, and the cat will start purring, and the dog will kind of like, you know, like wag its tail happily. You know, like like it like just just when you respond to it, it responds to you. Mm -hmm. And it, I suppose that's what in the article they called unconditional love, um, and that I feel it would be pretty easy to do a really, really accurate job of creating. And once we have that, I mean, then, you know, I recently saw um, a friend's grandmother who lives in an independent living. Do you know the difference mm -hmm. between independent living and, and assisted living? I do. And in fact, um, you know, because I read Atul Gawande's book, I know even what it, the ideal is versus the reality of it. But yes, go ahead. It's kind of, it's actually kind of an interesting, um, it was interesting complex. It's actually like a whole campus and yeah. there's a whole, um, independent living, which is basically you, you, you have an apartment to yourself yeah, and it's full of other people who are living independently, dot, dot, dot. But like every night and every morning you put a little, you know, there's a little, uh, like like a do not disturb on your door that you put on take off so that you know they can easily see that you're okay if you need you know the stove fixed there's, there's you know staff around um so so it's like but but it's not you know it's not assisted living it's not like someone is coming in and checking in on you every day like you have a huge amount of independence but there is that extra level of care yeah. if if you need it but, mm -hmm. and, and then um, if, let's just say, you know, God forbid that, that uh, you know, you have a, you like fall, right? And you, you hurt your hip and you need, you know, a couple of months of rehab. They, across the street is the assisted living. So, so you can just go across the street, be in assisted living, get the help you need. And then once you're back on your feet, then you can move back over, you know, so, so you can kind of. It put put the put the residents kind of where they need to be. Although although in practice it doesn't always work. Hey, as well no, as I'm it just comes. I was just I'm yes, not I'm I not get, getting I, into the whole thing I, about. I know the care. concept. Go yeah. everyone, go read the book, and then you can all complain about how. <laughs> and which book death is this? This is Atul Gawande's On Being Mortal. By the way, it's a great book. But anyway, why were you bringing this up? Well, there's no reason. It's you know, for a lot a lot of places do not allow pets, mm -hmm. and for really good reason. Um, they're both for the safety of the residents, but also for the safe for the for the uh, humanity of the pets. Mm -hmm. You know, um, you don't want a patient with dementia 
having to remember to feed the dog mm-hmm. or the cat or keep the windows closed. I mean, there's just like, there's a, there's a certain level of care that, uh, you know, can't. The animal but, needs. Yes. On the flip side, you have these people who um, are often very isolated, uh, are often, um, you know, very much want connection and companionship. Or maybe off- just miss having a pet. Well, yeah, for whatever reason, and 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 just can't have it. Um, the the person in particular I was talking to, you know, she had been in independent care. She she was over ninety, you know, and she'd been in uh, in um, independent living for like you know, fifteen, sixteen, eighteen years now, and you know the 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 tough truth is that when she came in, she had a lot of friends. And then a lot of her friends went over to assist. To, yeah, she's to been, she's you know, like that's, everyone. That's, that's just kind of how it is. And um, these places would be, they're, they're, they're crying out for devices like this. Devices that can provide happiness and connection and um, an outlet um, and they can take care in just just ha- ha- to, to be to be a companion um, that's I think I think that is very important so you know uh, yeah so so I think I think once they get to a certain level where they can be you know pillows that comfort you know kids with autism you know like this would be good pillows that purr and stuff so that if you have uh, PTSD, you c- it can help you settle down. I think there's a lot of good, even just, just let's just, you know, because this is how all, all of it works. It starts in the clinical and then it works its way towards the mainstream. Um, so just staying in the clinical realm, there are so many clinical applications for this. And once it gets to a point where you can interact with it and it can interact with you, you know, I don't think it takes a whole lot of interaction to get as good of, as a cat. Cats don't have facial muscles that can smile. They, they basically, their only forms of communication are brushing up on you, purring, and tail wagging. They can meow. Yes, yes, and meowing. Yes, and meowing. Um, but, so, 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 that is not a very high bar to, to get to. If, to have a robot that you can uh, pet and it purrs and it can meow and it can wag its tail and it can brush up against you. Um, and once you've gotten to that step, then I think you open up a whole range because then because then you know if you're if you're 90, you can get one of these and it can it can be not just be like a therapy pillow. It can really be a friend as the same way a cat would be a friend. And then, and that's, and that's, that's the, that's the, as you like to say, that's the mental model crack. That's the, that's the crack. Where now, you... well, these old people, you know, like, well, you know, these old people are, are falling in love with these animatronic cat pillows. But like, I would never, I, you know, I, not, there's no substitute for a real animal, but that's, you know, but that's the, that's the crack. And then of course, then the, the dam bursts. I am very curious about, um, uh, and would love to, I mean, maybe somebody's doing research on this, or maybe we should, you know, but how, what, what are the, like, again, back to my original question, you know, is it enough to just have the body and the tail? You know, what are the... Yeah, Um, and that's, and that's, again, I think that's nice. Have you ever... On a cold night, had a had your favorite warm blanket over you, while you were like watching TV. Uh, I have some warm blankets. I don't know that I have a favorite warm blanket, although I do have a soft, fuzzy warm blanket. No, but 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 you know what I'm saying? It's very cat-like. It's a not even that. It's just it's a cold night. You're watching TV. Yeah. You yeah. get your, you get a nice blanket and you just curl up in it. and It's warm and it's pleasant. In the yes. same way that a warm shower is pleasant, it's just yes. it's a nice, friendly feeling. I yes. think I think this, without the purring, 
I think this is a nice kind of friendly, fun little little thing. You know, it's this is yeah. this is maybe to the level of a plant. You know, people really like having plants around. They name their plants. They talk baby talk to them as they water them. People like having plants, but the plants don't do a whole lot. I kind of feel like this is about we we've hit plant level with 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 these with these you know little pets. It, they it's they're nice to have around. They're soft, they're pleasant, but I don't think anyone is going to be like, well, you know, I I this is like better than having a cat. This is like it, it, except it's, for me because I'm not a cat lover, so it well, would no, be better. Exa- than oh, yeah, okay, so fair enough. But so, <laughs> but but I think I think we're still on that very basic level, and yeah. for that basic level, not having a head or or limbs is fine. Is fine. You know, yeah. it's it's a it's a glorified pillow. Um, yeah. The next step is making the pillow purr, so you can lie on it and it purrs. Step above that is having a um, a warming unit inside. So that it so that it can warm itself and feel alive, uh, and then and, and then, then step above that is 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 perhaps movement, where it I'm can, reacting to your voice. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, so so there are a lot of there are lots of there's a mm. lot of room for growth, but you know there's a really good argument to be made, and you know look I love animals I have I have cats I sleep with cats every night. The cats are the cats are great. There's a very good argument to be made that having dom- the level of domesticated pets that we in the Western world have is a very bad thing. They are horrible for the environment. Between the cat litter and all the meat, they 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 are c- carnivorous. So you have to have large sources of meat, which has huge amounts of greenhouse gases. Um, uh, I I believe I remember reading a statistic that the majority. You know, a lot of cats have higher CO2 footprints than many, than like human beings in some of the poorest, least CO2 intensive countries on Earth, which doesn't necessarily surprise me. Uh, they're, they're very expensive. The, 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 you know, that they, they, they do throw up everywhere. And uh, a friend told me, um, you either have pets or you have nice things. You, you get to pick. You get to pick one of the two. Like it's just you know, like they're just gonna whatever you have, they'll they'll end up destroying um, and getting like cat fur all over the place and stuff. So, so in the long run, you know, us humans like having little. Um, did you ever see Blade Runner? No, I didn't. You know, there's the there's the updated Blade Runner just came out. Do you know that? Yeah. No, an interesting thing about Blade Runner that I didn't realize was that um, the original version, which came out uh, in when? The 19... Uh, ni- 1986, 1984. He, uh, because it, and it wasn't, it, ca- it wasn't critically acclaimed when it came out. And so he, who's the director? I can't remember. He kept, uh, uh, adjusting he kept editing and so in 2007 he finally stopped editing the thing and and the the later versions and the latest version to the 2007 version uh were apparently much improved and so then it became kind of this classic important film and um yeah the 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 director's cut was definitely like a big yeah and and it described i guess have you seen it like yes, her, multiple times. It's not, and it described it's a little too eighties for me. The but year it certainly is two thousand and nineteen. The new Blade Runner that just came out this week uh, describes the world in two thousand forty-nine. Yeah, both of them horribly wrong. Uh, I'm sure. The uh, I don't know. The, the no, no, no. It says twenty nineteen, and things. L.A. is like this, like sprawling metropolis of like four or five billion people and there are these huge pyramids everywhere okay and like the like society has devolved and there's like this like weird like english chinese mismatch i mean they were they were off by like a hundred years but but the one of the scenes in blade rudder that's very interesting is where does 
where does biology stop and pet begin? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you think about dogs, you look at a little wiener dog. We humans have basically modified the genetics through thousands of years of selective breeding to create this little talking pet. talking about a dachshund. Yeah, to create this little pet dog that has, that, 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 that we, we created for our fancy. It has short, short little stumpy legs. It has all kinds of like horrible hip problems. Well, wa- watch like, out. There's a lot of people that love their dachshunds. No, that's, well, that's the, that's the exact point. They took large, ferocious wolves, and they created beautiful, fun, loving, caring pets out of them. And we, and, and the, it's probably better to have a dachshund as a pet than a wolf. Like, like that's, just, that's just the truth. Like, we, we have created, we have, we have biologically enhanced and created this strange being for our own enjoyment. And I mean, and part of the enjoyment is that the dog enjoys it too. So we've created a living thing that loves being a short, weird, stumpy creature that hangs out with humans. That's, that's what we've done. And we did it through thousands of years of genetic selective breeding. And so in Blade Runner, there's a guy who makes, who basically modifies DNA to create weird pets are not quite the right term, but, but like weird genetic combination of things, Mm -hmm. you know? So, so, so instead of having, you know, cause when we think of having like a robot dog, we of course think of having it, having like hydraulic fluid and like, you know, like little gyros and stuff, but there's nothing to say that we couldn't use by bio- you know the why, why not just use biology to create a softer uh pet that purrs louder and and eats grass and you know what i'm saying like like our pets are imperfect but it's not like the pets that we have are like the way nature intended like we have specifically gen- through selective breeding genetically engineered these pets to our personal preference and 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 we didn't have a problem with that and so, mm. why not try and create? This is an interesting question. Yeah, why I know. Not, so why uh, not try and create a more be- a, a, like a better pet for humanity? And there's a lot of arguments that can be made that that the current pets that we have that are living and and have huge CO2 carbon footprints are non-ideal. And what we should really have is we should really have pets that in fact are not alive, quote unquote. Uh, that that would give us just as much comfort, if not more. They don't die, and they don't create huge amounts of CO two gases. But now, are you saying those are the ones that would have any biology in them, or you're saying that well, would be all robotic? I mean, in the future, maybe you know. Though that that's you know maybe maybe not. The point is, is that we have this idea that like pets are like this like natural something like the way god created and cats at least are a little bit like that but definitely not dogs and so this idea that oh i wouldn't have like like i could never have like a a robotic pet like even if it was very advanced because like it's not like a real thing that it's like made by humans i'm like what do you call your tiny little messed up pug that whose face has been genetically engineered to be bashed in so it's cuter so, and it had, so, like, it can barely breathe. Like, th- yeah. So, that's, so, so, I'm, what I'm trying to say is that it, there, there's a, might be a little bit of hypocrisy, and we should maybe look beyond, uh, just look at the reality of what we humans have created as pets. And that, and that once people realize that you could create a, you know, if you want to call it a robot, fine. But like a fuzzy, soft thing that basically does everything that a cat will do. Um, well, and I think you bring up a really another really for interesting our own point. comfort. Like, like that is their purpose. Yeah. Well, and that, so the other interesting point is that I you're right. We do right now tend to think about the the future of um, of this kind of engineering. Uh, you know, we think about there's the 
there's the machine side and then there's the biological side right. and that those are not connected. But actually, I mean, th- those are two different things. But actually, they aren't two different things and we're already blending them and we don't even, I mean, it's happening so uh, um slowly i guess that it, it perhaps hasn't even hit us that we're doing it i mean how many how many people on the planet now have uh, a percentage of their body parts are are you know not biological i mean they have knees and hips yeah. and hearts and yeah uh, well and th- look at look, look at corn corn is a great example i'm not even i'm not even talking about genetically modified corn i'm just talking about organic Whole Foods quality corn. Corn naturally is about the size of a pen. It's a tiny yeah. little grain yeah. that is the size. The corn cob is naturally. If you go look at the old pictures of corn, like from the sketches yeah, from, from, from back in the days, it's from like the size of a ago. pen. And now but they're like yes, these like mini know, baseball bat size things through genetic engineering. But that's it's still a biological. It's still biological. I mean, I th- what I'm saying is we may, you know, we have these definitions of when something is alive and when it's not alive. Right, and that was the Blade Runner thing where he was creating these weird hybrids of things that could talk and could move and were made with DNA because he was he was he was he was right. playing right. with DNA. So, but but they weren't. They certainly weren't natural by any stretch of the imagination right. even though they were using biological parts and so right now we we tend to think of it that way we may have to change our definition of what's alive and what's not alive at some point we're probably sooner than we think we're going to be facing that and you know we get really stuck on definitions and yes. um you know they become these these mental models, right, that, that we can't shake. I mean, I, I'll give you a really simple, silly example. Uh, I'm old enough that when I was in school um, as a young child, um, there were uh, animals and then there were uh, plants. And that's all there was. Uh, and so fungi were plants. They were in the plant kingdom. I think now they're in their own yes, group. They are, and along I with still, a couple other things. Yeah, and I still don't, you know, to me, no. No. They, I learned <laughs> there are animals, and animals have these characteristics, and there are plants, and plants have these characteristics, and there's not a third category so i think that um you know and for younger people who grew up with the three categories it's like what the heck is the big deal i There's don't three categories I, I, don't, I don't think i think there are more than three categories but you 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 you, you keep talking I'll, I'll make sure we're correct but i i just think that as we move forward uh you know the these categories we're making uh, these definitions you know what does it mean for something to be alive. Um, uh, but, okay, I have it. Yes, I have it now. go ahead. What? So according to this horrible website I'm at, <laughs> yeah. um, there are plants. Yeah. They are multicellular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and kind of as a sub, as a weird subsection, there are also autotrophs, which are organisms that make their own food and that plants fall into that category then there are animals all right there are they are heterotrophs right so they have to eat other things okay those are those are two of the six kingdoms then there's arachnobacteria what the heck is that they're found in extreme environments such as hot boiling water oh, yeah, and yeah, thermal yeah. vents under conditions they're, with they no are oxygen their, or highly they are exhibited. their own category now Yes, yes, because they don't have, they're not, they're not, they're not plants and they're not animals. To me, they're animals. Keep going. They're not animals, though. They They are in my categorization scheme. All right, that's three. They have different cells. 
Wow. Yes, I understand. Bacteria are actually quite alien. Hold on. Well, so so that okay. was... That's three. Okay. So then there's uh, eubacteria, E-U-B-A-C-T-E-R-I-A. Um, they're complex, single-celled. Um, these are the regular bacteria everyone's familiar with. Um, they're classified in their own kingdom because their chemical make makeup is different. Yeah. Then there's uh, fungi, mushrooms, mold, mildew. They're multicellular. Okay. Um, but they're not, unlike plants, fungi cannot make their own food. So that's the difference. So plants make their own food usually through photosynthesis. But fungi eat other organisms. So they can't really be plants. And then there are uh, protists, uh, which are slime molds and algae. They're also called the odds and the ends because they're kind of so different. They're all microscopic organisms that are not bacteria, not animals, not plants, and not fungi. Um, they're unicellular. That's, that's why they're not in the uh, bacteria kingdoms. So they're unicellular, but they're not animals. But these are just because of the, the definitions we made up. Yes. I mean, you know, you could you could make up a definition, and by that of definition, course. a rock would be alive. Of course. So it just depends on the definition. But so my point is that, you know, we love to do these definitions, but then we change the definitions. Um, and I think we're going to have to face changing some definitions as we move forward in terms of what's alive and what's not alive, what's human and what's not human, what's biologic and what's a machine. And uh, I, I don't know what will come first that will change the definitions and then our feelings and our interactions and our expectations will change or that whether our feelings and interactions and expectations will change and then we'll change the definitions. So that's the, that is... That's the interesting uh, uh, things well, to well, come. Well, with CRISPR, everything is going to get ridiculous yeah. really fast. Yeah. Which Chris, CRISPR allows for the individual um, slicing of, of genes at a certain spot. So you can get yeah. just... I know. Yeah. Just particular. I know. So it's an interesting age we're in, and we have managed to use up an entire hour discussing this. Um, I want to I wanna say one more thing quick. What? People should check out, um, and I wanted to talk. I wanted to talk about this, but obviously, we ran out of time. What? So Google in their I/O announced another product. Yeah. That was called the Google Clip. And I sent you this this video. Two hundred fifty dollars. It's a hands-free camera with a with yes. with. with kind of AI software in the camera right. itself. So it's not sending data to the cloud. At least that's that's what, what they say. What they say. Um, it's a really, it, really, really great idea. It's it's, it's an interesting idea. It's it brilliant. Crosses, it's it's a new product category. And it decides what what to take pictures of. So so here's the thing. Um, the whole idea is that you know GoPro kind of capitalized on this where people were like, hey, like I want to record my life in certain ways. But I don't mm -hmm. want to have to hold a camera every time I want to do right. it. So GoPro was like, hey, just like affix this to your helmet and then you can kind of right. like do this cool stuff. Well, um, so what this does is it is a, the best way I can describe it is a tiny little box that's an AI photographer. So um, you, you're, you're playing with your kids or you're playing with your pets and you just set this thing up and you turn it on and it waits it like uses AI to figure out when the quote right moment unquote to take a little eight second video is um, and or whatever you know whatever it is sometimes the picture on eight second video or and so like it its software knows that when a kid is blowing out the candles of a cake that one right record that and so um, basically what what it means is that. It's it's kind of the it's for the first time, it is a functional robot that's in your house performing a function, 
which is be a photographer, which for forever and ever and ever was a human task. Um, and it's really interesting, uh, and and it's very much in the same. I I see it as actually very very related to the to the to the to the Kobo, the ku, Kubu, in a lot of ways, um, because it's this separate device that is kind of performing the action of a live person. Um, and it's and it's replacing the photographer. So it allows you to be to, to be candid and to be in in your life, immersed in your life and not have to worry about this other thing. It's interesting. So people should check it out. Um, yeah. I think, Is that available yet? Um, it is pre you can pre-order but i guess it's not shipping yet but i mean it'll be shipping some it'll probably be available by the christmas season i'm sure there's not a whole lot to it um so i mean it's 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 just very 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 smart and then and then what happens is it uploads over wi-fi your pictures to your phone and then you decide which ones you want to keep and which ones you want to delete right and it makes little gifs and stuff so like it just captures it just kind of captures the. Uh, yeah, the things are getting interesting. So I, I love this. You know, of course, I love the intersection between the people and the technology, and see, see where this is all, see where this is all headed, and what we are willing to uh, let into our lives, and what we're willing to let go of, and how we're, and whether we're willing to change our, our definitions and mental models so Guthrie before we uh, close here yeah um, should we tell people about our kind of our latest uh, yep uh, thing we've been doing yeah we've been busy at work on a lot of different courses um, so we have um, yes so I just wanted to mention that and uh, we have updated a bunch of our online courses we have an updated uh, uh, user experience detailed interaction design course. We have an updated uh, design for engagement online. These are our part of our group of online video courses. Uh, of course, we have our wonderful um, brain and behavioral science online video courses and that lead to a, a uh, brain and behavioral science certificate and our user experience courses can lead if you want to a user experience certificate. But we also just decided to take um, two of our free courses. One is user experience fundamentals and the other is brain and behavioral science fundamentals. And uh, they've been free and up at our um, our website where their courses, courses.theteamw.com, and they'll still stay there. But we're also putting them on, go ahead, unveil. <laughs> Drum roll, YouTube. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We're still got, we're we're in the process of, of uploading them as we speak. There's no so. reason not to put them on on YouTube. Because uh, yeah. So anyway, that will just, just be another yeah. another place that you can uh, go to to. Easy to easy to. Um, yeah, we actually had someone. Um, thanks to whoever. Uh, two people that two recently people, wrote us. And and um, they they said, hey, uh, do you have. Um, uh, closed captions for your on videos. Your, uh, yeah. And, and our, our third party that we use for video hosting, it's just not a feature yet. I'm sure it'll yeah. happen in the future. Um, so we were like, hmm, we should, we should have this available. And, go- and Google, I mean, you want to talk about AI. Holy cow, is Google just all in. They are all in on machine learning and AI. And so, and they own YouTube. Yeah. So the so the captioning just, on YouTube. It is literally is, as is it good. comes. I I did I did some tests for those who haven't tried it recently. Automatically, as you, as you as the words come out of your mouth, the they show <laughs> up on the screen exactly perfect every time. It yeah, is. Yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. It's really amazing. But it doesn't really surprise me because the Google's voice search. When, when, so I have Google Assistant on my phone, 
Uh-huh. It has higher voice recognition than humans now. Like, I can't, I cannot, you know, remember when you use voice search and like every other time you'd say, be like, it was bad. Train to Hoboken. Yeah. It'd be like, trainer broken. You know, like it would just, it would just kind of mess it up, especially if you're in a noisy environment. I can't remember the last time that it didn't get it perfectly right. Like, huh. it's been like maybe a month, maybe two months. Like, I just, I honestly don't remember the last time it was wrong. So, uh, their voice recognition software is really really good yeah so if any of you are, would like to uh have a clo- uh, the captioning ver- closed caption version of our user experience fundamentals or brain and behavioral science fundamentals um they will be up on youtube shortly yes share them around guthrie it's great talking to you yes indeed i will talk to you later if people need to reach us, they can uh, email us at info at theteamw.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.